Wanna go, pretty boy? Two minutes by yourself and you feel shame, you know, and then you get free. Anything better than a glass of beer is tea with Miss McGill. <laughs> <laughs> And welcome to the Fourth Line Voice Podcast. My name is Darren. Thank you very much for tuning in. Episode 327 of the big show, some enforcer-based podcasting coming at you. Brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. How's it going out there, folks? Sunday. Oh, here we are. Easy like Sunday morning. Or Sunday afternoon, I guess. It's 1.30. Um, it's, kind of, it's kind of a hot one here. Uh, almost 30 here in the, in the uh, City of Bridges. Ah, uh, work this morning. I wanted to get this out yesterday, but, uh, had a nephew's birthday to attend to and, uh, and work and that sort of thing. So didn't get a chance. And then I wasn't going to, I'm thinking, ah, oh, I won't probably do a Sunday episode. Then I'm like, ah, I'm just sitting here after work this morning and I'm like, ah, what the hell? I think I'm, I'm, I'm feeling for you folks. Well, we all have to get up and go to work Monday. You got the commute, so if you're listening to this in the car or the bus or the train, riding your bike, uh, you know, and like I said, you're in your cubicle or wherever you are trying to avoid avoid Martha, you know, um, put on the headphones. Hopefully they're Raycons. I can get you a good deal on Raycons. Those are good headphones. You guys should check them out. Next time you need earbuds, everyone's always needing earbuds and you're losing them and breaking them and everything else. Check out Raycon, THPN. Get you 15% off. Actually, this sounds really good. They are good. For for reals, as the kids would say. Um, but we'll get to that later. Um, uh, well, what are we going to talk about today? Well, I mean, I, I just have to. I just have to continue to go down the rabbit hole of the hockey news and their top five enforcer lists. Because I, I just enjoy them. I don't know about you guys, but I'm... Uh... Well, and you know what? And I, and I have to be fair the list so far eh, actually haven't been that bad i i was hoping they were going to be an absolute train wreck but uh you know there's a couple names in there that were eh, you know a little whatever but overall yeah pretty good like i said i don't go over the list ahead of time i'm discovering them with you guys so we're all learning together what the hockey news writers have to think for enforcer week oh yes the hockey news and enforcer week oh yes you know, anything to make money, I guess. Uh, you know, we'll condemn it for decades, though. But, oh, damn, slow summer. What can we talk about? I know. Let's talk about those goons. But make sure in every article to tell them that fighting isn't it doesn't really happen that much anymore. Make sure you got to include that, you know, shoehorn that into the list somewhere. Oh, yeah. So, oh, we'll do that. You know what I will do? I'm going to talk to you first here about a couple of my... Uh, my horsemen, as Lazito says, some comrades uh, over at the five. At, oh, over at the five for five. Here we go. Take two here at the hockey news. What am I doing? Take three. I should probably be editing this, but that's my editing skills right here. No, at the hockey. 
podcast network. There's a hundred shows on the network. I know for a long time I kept saying, oh, there's 50 or there's 60. Apparently I wasn't count. I couldn't count very well. Now there's a hundred. So, um, I'm over on the original content creator side and a few of the people that are over there with me, of course, Terry Ryan, old TR, uh, you know, he's the, uh, you know, old Ted Hitchcock from Shorzy. Uh, Jolton Joe Lazito at the Coliseum Chronicles, Alec at the Five for Fighting podcast, uh, Jordan at Five in a Game. Oh, yeah, we're all over. They put us over in the corner. Um, well, Joe just released the Lost episodes, or maybe they told him to get Lost episode. I don't know, something like that. But with Dean Ewan, I, Lazito was going on and on about, I don't know, he lost some episodes, or they didn't put him up on the network. I don't know what he, what he's talking Some of his original stuff. You know, it was so original. Joe had hair back then, I think, when he first did those interviews. But they were so, <laughs> there were so many parts. By the time, by the time he was done the, uh, the Gillies interview, he was bald, you know, or follically challenged. Something like that. I don't know what I'm talking about now. It's, I'm, I'm giddy from the heat over here in September. Uh, September. I guess it's not September yet. I want, you know, this whole, my whole bit here for the last like two minutes, I've just like walked all over it. This is how it's going to be for the rest of the show. I don't know. Hold on. Ah, uh, okay. Here we go. Get game face. Let's get into this. I don't know what I'm doing here. I'm stumbling and slammering. And... All right. Well, so Lazito actually, well, his last episode was he actually went to the people, went and asked the public for help. That was mistake number one. And he did the top 10 New York Islanders and forces of all time. It's a good episode. Definitely check it out. And then he was, like I said, he was, some of his earlier episodes were not on the network. So he's, he's bringing it back, folks. And, uh, one of them is Dean Ewan. And in all seriousness, I would, uh, highly recommend checking out his Dean Ewan interview. Uh, Joe and Dean have been friends for a long time. And, uh, Dean had a hell of a career. And uh, it is a solid interview, so definitely check it out. And uh, Jolt and Joe does a great job. I'm telling you that right now. You know, if I'm lying, I'm flying, and my feet ain't left the ground. But uh, and then we got old Alec over at the Five for Fighting podcast, and uh, again, tremendous back catalog: Bia Lois, Rob Ray, Jason Rushton, Mike Segroy, Jeremy Yablonski, on and on, and. Um, it's a, well, once again, I don't know if he took two weeks off and then quit. I don't know what his deal is. His last episode was a couple of weeks back with Kelly Bent, Wichita Thunder East Coast League enforcer. And, uh, I know he's got some stuff coming up for the, you know, kind of the preseason rankings of the East Coast League in terms of toughness. Um, so I'm sure that episode is around the corner. I don't know. I'm not sure what Cloudy's doing. I don't know. But drop him a line. Ask him what's going on. He's around. Yeah. <laughs> but again, tremendous back catalog. Check that out. And uh, Jordan's still working out in the rigs. So when he gets back to back home to Cape Breton here in the fall, uh, we, you'll be hearing, you'll be hearing from five in a game shortly. So there we go. There's the, yeah, that's who I hang out with at the hockey podcast network. No wonder we don't get invited to office parties. Holy shit. All right. Well, Let's get into this, folks. Uh, oh, you know what? You know, I'm just, I'm going to go off on a side here, but friggin' Blue Jays, I'm telling you, I said the other night, I, I'm like, it's like 
bizarro world with the Jays because for years the Jays were a slow pitch team. Score eight, give up ten because they had no pitching. This year they got pitching and nobody can hit. It's just like, oh. And I'll tell you, that fucking Vladimir Guerrero, like, I mean, you know, he's got a talent and everything. He's having a shit season though, but just, he has, he hits a home run the other day. His, uh, he hasn't hit a home run in 17 games. He finally hits one. Oh, he goes around the bases like he's been, like he's chasing Maris or something. Oh, pointing here and slow. Can somebody tell me in baseball now, can, can any one of these donkeys just circle the bases without pointing at something out in the bleachers or up to the sky or doing whatever and, or doing some little dance at third base? Like, what are we doing? Like, just, and why don't, why doesn't the pitchers like fucking hit anybody anymore? I don't know. You know what? We, baseball needs a good brawl again. I haven't seen a good bench clearing in baseball for a while. That's, I said that's what the Jays need. They need a good bench clearing. I was watching again. It's escaping me now. Well, it's happened multiple times, but I always usually go on Major League Network. I'll have it on quick pitch, you know, when they're just doing the highlights from all the different games. <coughs> so I kind of got that going in the background. I'm farting around on my phone or whatever I'm doing. Um, I'm doing notes for this show. <laughs> Do you believe that? Um, but no, it'll be going around. And I was watching the, the, this team. They're losing 7 nothing. It's the eighth inning. This fucking clown on the losing team hits a hits a solo home run. Oh, he flips the bat and he's walking down to first and he's trotting and it's like, dude, you're down seven and your team's below five hundred. Maybe just circle the bases and get the fuck back in the dugout. Like none of it, just it's just a donkey show. But it's about having fun, you know. That, sports is just donkeys now. These athletes are donkeys. Ugh. Anyway. You want to talk about some hockey? Oh, hey, I saw old Paul there at the UK Fight Channel. Does a tremendous job. He's putting up video, of course, over in the EIHL, the British Elite League there. The season's already start. Well, the preseason's already getting going. Oh, yeah. The other, somebody hit threw a hit, and then there was a fight. And, of course, all the comments, oh, there's no need to fight there. Oh, how the fuck would you know if there was a need to fight there? There was no reason. I always loved these fans. There was no reason. How do you know? Were you on the bench? Were you in the Were you in the uh, dressing room? I'm just curious to how you know there's no reason. Yeah. Well, pretty soon if they keep doing that, nobody will hit anymore because they'll be scared to fight. Oh, wow. That, wasn't that the point of fighting in the first place? Dipshit. So your team doesn't get hit anymore? Try to keep up here. I know it's tough, but yeah. Uh... It happens all the time. Oh, yeah, all the time. Yeah. Sure. I love that. What? I mean, but that's the that's the agenda that's been pushed. I mean, you have players fucking pushing that agenda now in the media. All time oh, there's a hit, there's a fight. There doesn't need to be. And Oh, yeah. Meanwhile, you have half a dozen teams with single fight digit total team totals for the year. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, but I thought that they must not hit anybody, I guess, you know, or, or, or their guys get hit, you know, uh, sure. Oh, it's all the time. Oh, okay. Well, and, oh, it never used to be that way. Oh, what started fights before then? Oh, were they staged? I thought you didn't like that either. So you don't like when they stage a fight. You don't like when they fight after hits. When do you like them to fight? I'm, I'm just curious. 
Oh, but my favorite fight, Bobby and Ty. That was my most favorite fight ever. Oh, yeah, because that wasn't staged at all. No, no. You fucking idiots. Like, just... I'm so tired of these goofs and they're, oh, it's got to be classy when we fight, respectful. All these guys, I swear to God, if it was a meetup, they'd be walking around with code boners. That's all they talk about is the code and respect and classy. And You know the whole classy George LaRock good luck bro before the fight turned fighting into a complete fucking joke and you donkeys don't realize it? Like you read these fight groups and I swear to God, 90% of you have no idea why there is fighting in hockey and what enforcing is. Not a clue. You act like it's a separate sport from the game. Like it's a Marcus of Queensberry title bout and we're Olympic boxing here. Don't punch after and oh, don't be dirty and be classy and make sure you fucking bro hug after and oh, it's a respectful battle, you know, and oh, I don't know why you had to hit him when he was down. That was mean, you know, or why is he taking his jersey? He always looked for an advantage. Yeah, no kidding. Really. He always looked for an advantage. Shocking. Like, yeah, because it's a fight. I'm trying to beat you up and put you through the ice. At least that used to be the point. I don't know what it, I don't know what the point is now. Again, I'll have to break out. Uh, we'll, we'll have to do the checklist to have a good hockey fight in 2024. 2023-24 season. Yeah, oh, it can't be after hits, it can't be staged, it has to mean something, has to be in the same weight class, make sure everything's tied down, don't hit when the person's down, don't try to pull his jersey, if the refs get in, make sure to break it up quickly, make sure to thank him after the fight, in the on the way, after, immediately after the fight, and then in the penalty box, maybe discuss working out in the summer, these are all the checklists, we gotta check each one, because if you don't do that, you went against the code. Like... Yeah, just donkey shit. Oh, hockey fans that have no idea why there's fighting in hockey. Yeah, that's the one thing. I really can't get into Dave Semenko. He was a jumper. Yeah, yeah, because that was... Yeah, you don't know why though, right? Yeah, like you think he just jumped people out of the blue. For no reason, he just jumped them. They weren't even ready. Oh, yeah. Because nothing happened leading up to that. He just decided one day to snap. Yeah, this is where we're at, folks. Yep. But I'm we're knowledgeable fight fans. Yeah. Ugh, puke. I know I, I've said it a number of times. Like, I have to do a code episode. I've, you know. Yeah, I, I, sh- it's, I just, but I get so mad talking about it. Because it's just so pointless. Ugh. You know, I don't know. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. Like I said, I, I don't know. Like at the end of the day, it's you're an asshole bullying people and you're in, you're inflicting their your will on someone. And by any means necessary, you're going to get your point across. And if it means being mean and dirty, then you're mean and dirty. That was what it was. Now, I guess the fans and even the former player, I don't know if they want to church it up to make it not seem like that's what they were. There's nothing wrong with that's what you were. That's what you got paid to do. That was your role in hockey. You know, you, you didn't have hands to score 50, so you used your hands for other things. And you protected your team, and there is honor in that. And, you know, you sacrificed yourself for the logo and for the boys. 
that's what used to be what it was about and for protection. And if someone needed to be straightened out, any means necessary. That's what it was all about. That's the Dave Brown, Dave Semenko, Marty McSorley, the world of when it was actually enforced. That's what it was all about. Now it's just, no, it's none of that. And I mean, how how intimidating are you when you're wishing the person luck before the fight? After the fight, you're bro hugging them and everything else. And oh, I gotta work out with you. What do you? I gotta get some tips from you, bro. In the in the in the penalty box, like what what is intimidating about that? Why are we friends? Why are we why are we friends with these people? I don't understand. They're on the other team. Why am I being nice to you? I don't. I, like, it's a mindset I don't understand. I, I guess I'm old in that sense. But growing up when we played another team, I didn't like the people on the other team. Or if I did have a friend that was playing on the other team, I'll be friends before and after the game with you, but not during the game with you. And I would run them over just like I would run anybody else over. How is this not a mindset anymore? I don't know. Baffling to me. But I'm just old and don't get it, apparently. So. Hold on, I'm going to go check something here. Sorry, I was just seeing if that guy replied to me or not, but he didn't. Um, yeah, other than, sorry folks, I'm ranting and raving over here, whatever. Let's get on with things. Oh, I, I'm not even going to talk about Rob's post in the group. And I just, I don't know, is it a, is it a TikTok society now? Like people have the attention, 10 second attention spans? Or refuse to read? God, it's just embarrassing. Yeah, I, I can't, I've, I've noticed now, like when I go into these groups and stuff, for the most part, it's just like I instantly fire up a picture or a fight fight video or something and then I get out. I just can't, um, I just can't scroll the comments like I used to. I just, I don't know how Rob does it. Like he fight, I got to get Rob on the show here shortly, but like, you know, He'll sit and argue with these trolls. Not argue, but just like tell them how it is and just be like, you know, whatever. But, I mean, he's far more calm than I would be with them. I, I just get annoyed. But, I don't know. I just can't be bothered anymore. It's just there's so many fucking pinheads in these groups that don't get it. They're never going to get it. They're either fanboys with blinders on or they're just ignorant buffoons that... Oh, I noticed, yeah, the other day when I was talking about Link Gates was overrated. The guy, oh, he's overrated. I... That was about five or six days ago. He never did reply to me. I directed my message right at him. I'm like, how is he overrated? Because I'm just curious to what this buffoon says. Of course, he never gets back to you, right? It's just, oh, I'm going to just bounce in, troll, say some stupid shit and leave. Yeah, you know. And, like, I would expect that from, like, a 15-year-old on social media. But this guy looks like he's about 40. So it's like, really? You're a grown adult trolling. Oh, yeah. Embarrassing. But speaking of embarrassing, maybe, let's get into these lists, shall we? You know, we'll hit up the hockey news here. Enforcer week, folks. Going to get into it. Let's see what we got here. I think we're going to do the top five all-time tough guys for, I think we'll do Pittsburgh and Washington. There is, a, there is always a rivalry there. So we'll, we'll do those two teams, the top five enforcers with the Penguins and with the Capitals. Let's get into it, shall we? The hockey news, Enforcer week. And now, here's a word from our sponsor. Even if you're not going on vacation, summer's all about the vacation state of mind. Whether I want to listen to Metallica or Kiss on repeat, 
or just need to retreat inside my own head for a bit. I love creating my own summer soundtrack by popping in the Raycon wireless earbuds. So much going on all summer. Sometimes you need some upbeat music to pump you up before you see people or to stay calm or some guided meditation. Um, yeah, I mean, if you're at the gym working out or, uh, you know, when I'm at work, you know, you're in and out of the truck, so you like miss the tunes or your be- your favorite part of the song's coming up. So you want to stay in the truck. Um, yeah, just put the headphones on and, uh, the earbuds and away you go and like they, they sit in the ear perfect. And, uh, yeah, you don't miss a, a single, uh, guitar riff from the old hair metal days. Uh, <laughs> I'm dating myself here with some skid, with a skid row reference. How's that one for you? Um, to let me tell you now, Raycon's the best way to listen. Use earbud tap functions to toggle between three customized sound profiles, noise isolation, awareness mode. Uh, Raycon has 32 hour battery life, including eight hours of playtime, so you can listen to what you want when you want for a really long time. Um, they come with custom gel tips for the most comfort earbud in ear fit. Um, and they start at half the price of other premium audio brands, but they sound just as good. Um, uh, and Raycon's come with a 30-day happiness guarantee, so you really can't lose. So create your own soundtrack with Raycon right now. Fourth-line voice listeners, you can get 15% off the Raycon order at buyraycon.com slash THPN. That's buyraycon.com slash THPN to save 15% on Raycons. Again, one last time, buyraycon.com slash THPN. And now back to your regularly scheduled program. Okay, let's, uh, we're back here. Let's roll into it. What did I say with T? We were going to do Pittsburgh and Washington. Okay, well, we'll do Pittsburgh first here. Okay, this is again part of the Hockey News Enforcer Week. Uh, the Penguins have had a fair share of superstars over the years, but also a good number of enforcers. Eh, not really. When you think of the Pittsburgh Penguins, you don't often think about their history of tough guys. The Penguins have always had a franchise centered around pure skill and beating their opponents on the scoreboard rather than with their fists. Players like Lemieux, Yager, Crosby, and Malkin have long had to fend for themselves, but they've had a few helping hands along the way. While the Penguins don't usually strike fear in opponents' eyes, they have a house. They have house. They have housed numerous bruisers for for a season at a time. Let's take a look at the top five fighters in Penguins history. Honorable mention to Troy Loney, who is the Pittsburgh Penguins leader with fighting majors with 60, according to HockeyFights.com. Well, there you go. Troy Loney is the Pens all-time into the clubhouse. The clubhouse leader with 60. Loney. I was always down with Troy Loney. He was all right. Uh, oh, I can already see peeking out here at number five, so... These guys actually went 5-1. to one. Well, I'll give them credit for that one. All right, number five. Am I recording? I gotta, hold on, i got to check my stuff here. Yeah, all right. Um, number five, Marty McSorley. 134 games played, 378 minutes, 31 fights with the Penguins. Uh, one of the toughest guys in NHL history is well known for being Wayne Gretzky's bodyguard. McSorley got his start in the NHL with the Penguins. 20-year-old as a rookie. Um, McSorley dropped the gloves 20 times, racking up a total of 224 minutes in the 83-84 season. Uh, while the majority of his work with the Penguins, uh, McSorley returned to Pittsburgh to start the 93-94 season with one of the greatest fights ever seen versus Bob Probert. The two heavyweights stayed on their feet and tossed punches for almost two whole minutes before officials finally stepped in. McSorley's time in Pittsburgh was short, but without his time in, the, in a Penguin sweater, who knows where his career would have gone. Um... Yeah, right out of the gate, old school Marty. Um, I always said, 
after Marty left and went to Edmonton and LA, he, I always say he was like a, a Smite Division guy. He was a West Coast guy. I thought Marty did his best work out in the beaches. Uh, his second go around with Pittsburgh, yeah, the fight with, with Probert was great, but, um, and he, cause he was in New York too. Does anybody remember McSorley as a Ranger? Exactly. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've always said with Marty, one of the greatest, uh, you know, enforcers of all time, which is different than fighters. He's a great fighter as well. Um, I would probably have him in my top 10. Like I said, my top 10 always sort of, Kind of like 6 to 10 switch, probably switches up depending on which way the wind is blowing. <clears throat> but if he's not in the 10, he's in my, he's a, he's a roundabout there anyway. But great fighter. Love me, Marty. Um, shitty how it all ended. Um, he'll forever be known for the Brashear thing, um, which is unfortunate. But um, he play, I always say he played 900 games before that, though. But truly understood what an enforcer was and what the role was. And um, if you go to YouTube, I, I want to pump up my YouTube channel, Fourth Line Voice on YouTube. Um, subscribe, check it out, get over 2,000 videos. Um, just type in Marty McSorley Enforcer or whatever. And basically it's a clip from Ice Guardians. and uh, Or no, the, la- the, the last Gladiator, the Nylon one. Um, was it not? I think, yeah, no, it was. Well, I know that's the, I think that's where the, it was a DVD extra. Yeah. So it has to be from the nylon one. And, uh, basically it's about an eight minute thing and, and Marty just talks about enforcing and he breaks it down. And it's funny. Some of the comments that have been underneath on the YouTube section, it's like, cause you know, younger people are just watching this. And I mean, that may as well be the fucking Richard Kuklinski talking to them. Right. I mean, they're like, who is this psycho and whatever, but that's what enforcing was back in the day. And that's what an enforcer is. And as I was saying earlier in this episode, how these fight fans and these groups don't understand what it is, yeah, they should go watch that video and figure it out because McSorley lays it out. So I'm down with Marty. Number four, Rick Tockett. 150 games played, 435 minutes, 15 fights with Pittsburgh. 15 majors doesn't seem like a like much in the grand scheme of things, but there's no doubting the impact Tockett brought to the Penguins. More than just a former flyer tough guy, Tockett was a huge help to the Penguins offensively, scoring 179 points in three seasons. The Penguins never had much protection for their star players, especially in the early 90s, but Tockett was able to provide a tough edge and scoring ability. In the 92-93 season alone, Tockett put up 250 minutes and fought Sabres Brad May on three separate occasions. The Penguins won the President's Trophy. Uh, I mean, talk is one of the best power forwards of all time. Uh, probably should be in the Hall of Fame. Um, yeah, I mean, what, I love Rick Tockett. He's one of my favorite players of all time. Um, in terms of fighter, I, don't, I think I would have Marty ahead of Tockett, but okay. Whatever, six of one, half a dozen of the other. But, oh, just a great player, like you said. And he brought that element that I think Pittsburgh was missing. Like, they have that... Like, at the time, it's like, oh, Kevin Stevens, who was putting up a lot of minutes, but Stevens wasn't a fighter. He never fought. He's, uh, Kevin Stevens actually just took a lot of bad penalties is what it, what it comes down to. He was a big guy that was physical, but when you're getting 250 minutes in two fights, I mean, that's a lot of bad penalties. But uh, but physical guy. Um, actually, I thought Taco would have had more than 15 fights, to be honest. Um, but, uh, yeah, I was, he had the rivalry there with Brad May. Um yeah, I mean, what what do you what more do you need to say about Rick Tockett? He was awesome. So, number three, 
Jay Caulfield. Oh, I'm, I'm actually pumped Caulfield's name gets mentioned. I ought to say this hockey, uh, this guy's kind of on top of shit. All right, well, let's see what he has to say. 194 games, 700 minutes, 43 fights. Jay Caulfield is an underrated fighter with in Penguins history. He was, uh, he has to own one of the most obvious stat lines in enforcer history. In 90, 194 games, the Penguins, he had 10 points and 714 minutes at 6'4", 247. Caulfield led the Penguins in penalty minutes to the first year in Pittsburgh with 285. Good for fifth all-time in franchise history. Despite having a sm- despite having a small but bruising part of Penguins history, Caulfield's name is engraved in the cup a pair of times in 91 and 92 runs. Um, apparently, he was a key guy uh, to get uh, Mario Lemieux rehabbed him back was Caulfield. Um, I think he was like a football player, wasn't he? Wasn't he a football player that decided to start playing hockey? Um, Caulfield, I mean, he fought Brown, Dave Brown a million times. Caulfield had balls the size of church bells, but, um, you know, he, as far as his balance goes, it looks like, you know, he was standing on marbles. Um, you know, I mean, I, I, I remember he wore the neck collar. He had the big horse collar on. Um, yeah, I mean, he had the big, but he had the big chin. Like he looked like just if you looked at him just visually, he looked like a tough dude. When you see his headshot, he's got the big, you know, the granite jaw and fucking stone glare. And yeah, I mean, I don't know, was he any good? I mean, yeah, like I, he was willing. We'll put it that way. And um, you know, that's you know, what more can you ask for? But. Uh, yeah, in terms of his overall, I'm sure his win-loss percentage probably isn't great, but uh, he fought everybody. I'll give him that. Like he certainly wasn't like he wasn't a pussy. He just had he just had shit balance. That was his problem. He's like kind of like the Peluso thing. Like Peluso again, huge balls would fight everybody. I like Peluso, uh, but he just his balance was the shits. Uh, so problem was is he'd throw these wild. Well, I'm talking about Peluso, which has no bearing on this, but he would throw like wild haymaker punches. Like Peluso would go for it. He was no wrestler, but I mean, in terms of it, when your balance is shitty and then you're throwing these wild off balance punches, it's like, yeah, it makes for some sloppy fights. But if he ever connected, he, you know. But uh, I don't know. But they fight everybody. I don't know. I, I I'm down for. Uh, Peluso and Jay Caulfield. Uh, you know, am I going to run out and get a Jay Caulfield jersey or anything? Well, no, but I mean, eh, whatever. I'll put it this way. There's guys I dislike far more than Jay Caulfield. <laughs> uh, what are we? Number two, Eric Goddard. Well, there you go. 135 games, 36 penalty minutes, or 36 fights, pardon me. Uh, filling the shoes of one of the most skilled enforcers in history, George LaRock can't be easy, but... But Eric Goddard knew what his role was. In the late 2000s, early 2010s, uh, it was clear fighting. And enforcers were beginning, holy, I cannot read, were beginning their decline of prominence in hockey. See how I said they have to shoehorn this shit into everything? You know, Goddard did what he had to do to keep it alive, averaging more than two minutes, two two minute minor per game with the Penguins. Goddard made an immediate impact upon his arrival in 08. During the 08-09 season, he picked up 171 minutes, 21 sparring matches. Arguably, uh, his biggest claim to fame with the Penguins is to be involved in the Islander in the infamous brawl game February 11, 2011. Um, yeah, Eric Goddard, one of the baddest dudes ever, touched by the hand of God. Um, if there was anybody that could replace LaRock, it would be Goddard. Um, Goddard... Uh, Goddard was awesome. My only, my only knock on Eric Goddard was always he'd fight to his competition. When he was fighting like a big name top guy, you were getting the best, you were getting one of the best fighters ever. But when he, I don't want to say lesser guy, but when it was a guy, it was sort of like, okay, Goddard should beat this guy. 
I don't know, it's like Goddard just sort of, no, I didn't want to say eased up, but he just kind of, he looked pedestrian sometimes, which was weird because you think he would dominate the guy. But every once in a while when Goddard got wound up and pissy, oh, like that American League when he drops that Mike, was it Mike Wilson? Like, Jesus, folds him like a lawn chair. Um, but yeah, big dude, throw with both hands. Uh, I got to see him here in Lethbridge as a junior, and he was dominant in junior. Um yeah, I love me some Eric Goddard. He's awesome. But uh, yeah, number and it was cool that he won a cup. So that, that I was always down with that. Um, who do you guys think number one is? I would think with a rock, wouldn't it be? I don't know. We'll see. Oh, there you go. Okay. Um, number one, Paul Baxter. 202 games played, 31 fights, uh, averaging well over four minutes in penalties per game in Pittsburgh. Paul Baxter was has to be the toughest fighter in Penguins history. His 409 penalty minutes, 8182, is the most in single season franchise history, and the 851 he recorded just over three years is sixth most. 31 fights of the Penguins lands him outside the top 10, but it's still staggering that kind of enforcer numbers he put up. Uh, playing in the early eighties, fighting was much more common than during his record setting 80, during his record setting 81, 82 season. He dropped the gloves 20 times, only five eleven two hundred. 200. Wasn't the biggest fighter in the game, but he always left a mark even on the score sheet. During his time with Pittsburgh, Baxter was a solid puck moving defenseman, picking up 94 points. That includes 43 in the famed 81, 82 season. Um, Oh, well, I, hey, at least they, they got him in there and everything else. Now, would I put Paul Baxter in terms of fighting ahead of well, pretty much any of these guys that we took? Well, maybe Caulfield, but uh, like I wouldn't have him ahead of... I know what this guy's trying to say, but I would not have him ahead of Gar, uh, Goddard or McSorley or Talkett. Um, Baxter was more of a pest than anything else. Cheap shot. Um, he, had a, he had a few moments there. I mean, he like, was Ben Wilson. He popped there. I thought he was asking for a death wish. Um Ben Wilson, Ryan, <laughs> inside joke. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm not going to sit here and try to, like I said, I, I was like six years old when he was playing. I've seen some of his fights. Uh, he wasn't the greatest fighter. Uh, I've read stories about him. I know a lot of guys hated him. He was kind of cheap, dirty with his stick. Um, certainly ruthless. Um, but I, I could see why he's on the list. Um, I think I would have the orders flopped around here a little bit. I don't have a real issue with the five guys that he listed. Um, I would change, I'd swap the, the, um, the, the names around. But, um, that's the one thing always with the, with the, uh, with the Penguins though. Um, n- never, uh, they always had like the rent, I always call it like the rent-a-goon. They, like they'd have a guy for a year. Like they'd bring in Goddard or they brought in LaRock or they like brought McSorley back for the one year. It was always like this one year shit. Um, you know, uh, it would have been interesting if Bissonette had stuck around there. Um, yeah, I don't know. I've never, um, like even I'm going in the eighties, like they said, when Lemieux and them were like, I don't remember anybody real tough with the Penguins back then. Like, you know, for any length of, like they had Mitch Wilson up for a little bit, but it was like, they never had a guy. Like Lemieux never had a guy. You know what I mean? Eisenman had Probert and Wayne and, you know, Gretzky had Marty and, you know, so on and so Sackick had uh, whatever Simon or Twist or Brett Hall had Twist and Chase and like every guy, everybody had a guy. Uh, like Lemieux and Yager and them never had one. I I never understood what Pittsburgh's deal was. Like you have, like they said, you have all these star players, perhaps a couple of the greatest ever, 
well, actually, the four guys they listed right at the start. I mean, that they'll go down in the in the greatest ever conversation. And it's like, and you had no one. I mean, nowadays it doesn't matter. I mean, whatever. But back then, I don't know. And there's always that argument, like, Lemieux wouldn't have had the injuries that he had if he had had, like, a McSorley there full-time. Eh, you know, maybe. I think what people forget, though, is Lemieux was a big body, but Lemieux was dirty, though. And, like, he would hit, like, Lemieux did some fighting early, and uh, I think Bob Gould sort of straightened that whole, his idea of fighting out. But, you know, he would, like, get a stick going, and, like, he certainly was no uh, angel, for sure. So, um and I think a bigger body, I mean, you, let, you know, you could lay the body on him. But, uh, yeah, it would have been interesting if he had had a full-time enforcer there. But there we go. There's the top five fighters in Pittsburgh Penguins history. And now, here's a word from our sponsor. New customers, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code THPN. Bet just $5 to score $150 in bonus bets instantly. That's code THPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in Massachusetts. Call 800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelpline.org. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700 on behalf of the Boot Hill Casino and Resort. In West Virginia, gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. All games regulated by West Virginia Lottery. Please play responsibly. In partnership with Hollywood Casino and Charlestown Races. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. 21 plus in most eligible states, but ages vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details for state-specific responsible gambling resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. One boost per eligible game. Opt-in required. Max bet $50. 10-plus leg required for 100% boost. Eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions apply. Terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash baseball terms. And now back to your regularly scheduled program. Here we go. I'm, I'm editing on the fly. I'm adding the ad reads as I do this just so so I can get this out ASAP as soon as I'm done. Uh, what was the other team? Uh, great memory. Hold on. Where am I now? Oh, Washington. Uh, all right. We're, here we are. Washington. Here we go. The top five fighters in the hockey is enforcer week. Top five fighters in Capitals history. From Tom Wilson to Alameda, Craig Berube. The Capitals have been lucky to be on the same side as quite a few of the league's toughest customers. Uh, from Tom Wilson, uh, as part of the enforcer's week, we're going to have the top five fighters to ever lace them up for the Capitals. Here we go. All right. Number five, Scott Stevens. Oh, that'll bring some heat. Uh, fifth overall pick from Washington in the 1982 draft. Uh, Stevens made his mark as a franchise, one of the top defensemen and best enforcers. Uh, made his mark in the NHL with a highly applauded stay-at-home style, but he also with hard hits, big body checks, and willingness to fight when he had to. It made him a major asset for the Capitals over the course of eight years. 6'2", blue liner, was a heavyweight who packed a punch and played a hard-nosed, unforgiving game. He also broke out as a strong puck-moving defenseman who could be a major threat on offense and rack up points and penalty minutes. He averaged well over 150 per season during his tenure in the in the district. Stevens became a regular Norris, Norris Trophy candidate over the course of his career and led him to become the captain of the New Jersey Devils where he did move on from DC, when he did move on from D.C. He still goes down as one of the best fighters to ever drop him for the Capitals. That's why he makes number five on our list. Yeah, early on, Scott Stevens did a bunch of fighting when he first came up in the league. Um, came up at 18. I mean, it was already a man, really. Uh, 
huge hitting defense. Well, I mean, I don't. I, yeah, Scott Stevens used to hit people. Yeah, no shit. Everyone, collectively, everyone listening at the same time. Um, yeah, I mean, he often gets you know later on in his career with New Jersey, basically stopped a couple fights a year. It's interesting. He he stops fighting and fights a couple times a year and gets called a pussy. And then Larry Robinson only fights a couple times a year and he's a killer. Yeah, it's interesting how that mindset works. Um, you know, because Robinson hit people too, you know. So, um, anyway, <laughs> I digress. Um, but yeah, uh, early on in Washington, he had some big fights. Uh, McClellan, Jay, uh, Jay Miller comes to mind. Again, I'm like discovering this with you guys. So it's not like, oh, I'm here, hold on. I, I went through his fight card. Um, but yeah, I know he did. He did a bunch of fights. The majority of his fights uh, came as uh, Washington Capital. So there we go. Number five. All right. All right. Number four. Dale Hunter, uh, Washington's all-time penalty minute leader and former captain, takes the fourth spot with sixty-three career fights. Uh, after seven seasons in Quebec, he earned the nickname uh, "Le Petit Pest." Little nuisance <laughs> with the Nordiques. Uh, Hunter came over to the Capitals and made an immediate impact. He brought a lot of offense and scored one of the biggest goals in franchise history in the 88 Patrick Division. But it was also his physical booming hits and grit that made him a legend and a quick fan favorite. 5'11", 198 winger was renowned. Beloved presence in the dressing room that also led by example, often being the first to take off, take the ice that practice. Against his opponents, he piled up hits, racked up pims, engaged in fisticuffs, and one of the biggest, one of the league's toughest customers and most difficult players to deal with. Both physically and an offensive threat, he's the, he's the league's second all-time penalty minute leader to boot. While he was made an example well, he was made an example of in 1993 with Gary Bettman doling out 21-game suspension for dirty play. Hunter's rough-and-tumble style was one that made him critical leader. Combine that with the offense and ties to the organization, the same one that led to interim head coaching job in 11-12. Uh, He's one of the Capitals' best fighters to ever play. Uh, I don't know if I'd call him one of the best fighters, um, but he's one of those guys that you definitely want on your team. Was an offensive threat or, you know, he could score, he'd play dirty, but past, get guys off their game, would walk that line. Um, it's This is clearly a Washington, right? You know, he was made an example of, oh, no, his, his hit on Tershawn was bullshit. That's not being made an example of. That's just being a fucking idiot and getting what you get. I, um, and I understand Tershawn's a, you know, was a softy and everybody kind of, I, I've, I've heard from different people that Tershawn was a little you know, had a little heat with people, but, um, there's no denying when he scored at his hand that Hunter runs him, that it was a dirty play. Um, you know, and I, I've had that argument online with a few people that think it was justified. I'm not really sure what the justification would be. Um, but you know, and I, to, to, you know, now the number of games can be debated. I don't know if it was worth 21. I can't remember if Turgeon was actually hurt on the play or not. I can't remember. But I think at that point, it, it was just such a out of the box thing. Like it was, it, it's not like, oh, it was a high stick or a cross check or a hit from behind. Like those happen and you have something to base it off of. What Hunter did to Turgeon, I don't remember ever, I don't remember ever seeing before. So it was like, I'm not saying it never happened. Off the top of my head, I don't remember it. Um, so it's not like, oh, there was a precedence here. Um, so uh, I had no sympathy for Hunter at that point. Um, but at the same time, I'm not going to sit here and deny that, oh, I wouldn't want Hunter on my, I wouldn't want him on my club. No, of course you would. Um, but, uh, oh, yes, rev up your motorcycle again. Everyone wants to hear it. Um, but, um, 
Yeah. It'd be interesting, but I would not call him one of the... You know, and that's the thing. As, I, as I'm sitting here, I don't think I can ever recall, like, a great Dale Hunter fight. Like, where it's like, a, he really kicked that guy's ass. You know, like, I don't... Like, he obviously fought. I know that, but... Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I would start racking up Dale Hunter as a great fighter. But he would certainly do it, without a doubt. Uh, all right, here we go. Who's number three? Craig Berube. Oh, there we go. When it comes to old-time hockey definition of an enforcer, there's no one who did it arguably as well as Craig Berube. Known as the Chief, his reputation known in the NHL debut was 16 penalty minutes and two fighting majors. From there, he was one of the league's most feared players thanks to his willingness to drop the gloves. He didn't he didn't average the most ice time with Washington. Granted, he spent the majority of it in the box. And at 419 games in D.C. over seven seasons, he massed 1,200 penalty minutes. Uh, with a handful of impressive knockouts. He truly embodied the definition of a classic hockey enforcer and ranked seventh in the league's all-time PIMS with 3,100 and had 159 points in 1,000 career games. But it was his physicality and dedication to sticking up for his teammates and battling hard on a nightly basis that made him a prominent enforcer. Yeah, I'm de- he, Craig Verube is one of my favorites. Um, definitely, uh, like I'm a top 15, top 20 guy for me all time. Did it for did it for a really long time. Was effective. Um, he's one of those guys that you go back. I, I mean, laws caught him, and I mean, he had a couple. You know, everyone takes losses or gets dropped, but Bruby did not get like as a, an air quotes beat up very much. He uh, he was real fat. His fight cards tremendous. Fought everybody. Was really fast. Could get in there. I, I'm not sure if he, I don't know if I'd call Craig Berube a huge power punching guy. I, I mean, he wasn't throwing pillows either, but I think he was just more just a real quick hands, lightning quick, flurry. Um, you know, I mean, he caught Karen's. I can remember that one because I just watched that fight actually a couple of days ago. Um, yeah, I mean, over the years, I'm sure he caught a few people. It's escaping me right now as I'm staring out my window and yelling. But, uh, but in terms of enforcing, did it forever, uh, I don't think you'll ever hear a player talk anything bad about Baruby. Uh, knew his role, knew his job, did it forever. Um, I'm pumped that when he went to coaching that he won a Stanley Cup with the Blues. That was cool. And uh, he just has that look when you go back. He's missing the front teeth, the long hair. I have a real pitch, cool picture of watching with him going off the ice. And he's like, you know, he's got the after the fight and no teeth. And he's just scary as shit. Like, hell yeah, Craig Baruby, I'm down, man. Yeah. Um, ah, so far, good list. Um, all right, number two. Uh, Tom Wilson. Um, ah, Lazito is just almost ready to come out of his seat on the train right now. Hold on, Joe. Let's see what they got to say. Um, Tom Wilson, the player everyone loves to hate, but would take on their team in a heartbeat. Well, that's true. And there's a lot of that because of physicality and edge that he brings to Washington. Wilson started his NHL career as a fourth liner, modern day enforcer known for punishing and at times controversial hits and ability to drop the gloves. 6'4", 220 heavyweight is relentless as he enters his prime. He sits third on the team's all-time fight list with 80 bouts. Really? I would not have thought Wilson fought that much. All right. Uh, his Game 7 fight against Braden Colbert in the 2018 Eastern Conference Final arguably gave the team a major spark needed to win and advance to the final, where they finally exercised demons and won it all. Um, 
not only can he win a fight and play the enforcer role, but he's now a fixture on the top six that has shown the ability uh, of being a 50-point scorer. At the same time, he plays both specialty teams as one of the best penalty killers. Looking at his impact and versatility, as well as his modern-day impact as an enforcer power forward, Wilson takes number two on our all-time enforcers list, especially with him poised to take over the Capitals' all-time fights leader in a couple years. Um, I didn't think Wilson fought that much. That surprises me. Um, I like Tom Wilson. Um, he's an asshole. Uh, I like that he runs around and hits people. I had a bit of a, I think he had a bit of the injuries last couple years. Um, I mean, he's a product of his, of his environment and current hockey. Uh, but big guy, talented, has skills. Um, and every team would want Tom Wilson. Uh, so, uh, in terms of fighting, like what I have, like if this is a list of the best fighters, am I having Tom Wilson ahead of Craig Berube? Oh, hell no. Um, I think I would have Wilson ahead of Dale Hunter. Uh, I would not have him. Uh, yeah, Scott Stevens. Him, they're, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't. Yeah, maybe ahead of Stevens. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but not ahead of Baruby. Um But, um, yeah, I mean. I, I mean, I, like, like I said, he plays in the modern day. I, I, we, I don't follow Tom Wilson's every move. I see his hits that he gets suspended for and shit like that. Um, I, you know, I mean, it's a, like I said, product of the times because, you know, here on this same list, we have Scott Stevens, um, who was, you know, through hits far worse than Wilson did, I think, and was never suspended. But of course it was a different time, right? Different rules kind of, and, and that type of thing. So it's kind of like, it's kind of hypocritical of me to, you know, point the finger at one guy and give another guy the pass when it's kind of the same thing. Um, but no, I, I mean, I, I, as a fight fan and everything else, I, I, the NHL is better with Tom Wilson in it than without it. Um, now people can shit. Oh, he's a spot picker. He does this. He does that. Maybe he is. I don't, you know, like I said, I don't follow him enough to know and watch him play. Um, I know Joe's always mad that he didn't fight Ross Johnson. I think that's what Joe's mad about. I don't know. Joe will yell about it next episode. Um, okay. I I don't watch it, so I don't know what the whole backstory is. So I'll, I'll go with Joe there. But, I mean, at the same time, am I going to condemn everything Tom Wilson's ever done because of that incident? No. Um, I mean... I don't know, I, that's, I can't really say much more about Tom Wilson. Like, you know, again, am I like a huge Tom Wilson fan? Well, in the grand scheme of things, no. But I mean, if you ask me about today's players, yeah. I mean, I wish there, I wish every team had a guy like him because I think the game would be a little more exciting. Um, but uh, yeah, that's fine. Oh, I wouldn't have a number two on the list, but okay, he's on the list. Who's the number one enforcer in Caps history here, folks? Um, yeah, it's interesting. Washington, um, much like Pittsburgh, I don't know if they has Washington ever really had had a guy. To be completely honest, <sighs> sorry, folks, just had to close the window here. Um, all right, who is the number one guy? There's, uh, I will say, uh, as we go, um, a few omissions off this list. We'll see. Number one, uh, we'll talk about that in a sec after this. We'll see. Uh, 
Well, I guess they sort of, I guess they kind of blew the blew that. I didn't just remember thinking reading the intro, they kind of mentioned that already. Alan May number one. Uh, no question, Alan May is the top fighter to ever take the ice for the Capitals. May is a regular in the minors before the Edmonton Oilers traded him to the Capitals, where he became a fan, fast fan favorite and stepped into a bigger role that he would push his career forward. Known for his hard-hitting, gritty, and merciless game, May made his opponents nights miserable night after night. Most importantly, though, he was a protector of his teammates and one of the most feared enforcers. To this day, he holds the single-season record, 339, ended up totaling 1,300 minutes during his stint with the, with the Caps. Uh, May also is a franchise leader in all time with fights dropping the gloves 91 times in five seasons. Six foot one, 200 pounder would go toe to toe with the likes of Domi while never shying away from a scrap, whether it responds to a hit sticking up for a teammate or simply trying to spark some energy. May is still loyal to the franchise offering insight and analysis on capitals as TV personality for the sports network as its loyalty, as well as has finally helped Washington reach new heights in 1990. That makes him our number one fighter. Um, yeah, I mean, Alan May, um, yeah, he did it for a long time. Like I said, he's the all-time Caps fight leader. Um, I don't know about, he was the most, one of the most feared enforcers. I don't know if I'd go that far. He was certainly willing. Um, again, off the top of my head, I don't know many Alan, huge Alan May victories over like top guys. Um, but he was certainly a willing combatant. Uh, no, no denying that. Um, Again, I'm not going to sit here and claim to be an Alan May expert. Again, it was in the 90s. It's in my wheelhouse. Um, I, like I've said, I've seen him fight. He had trouble with Domi. Domi buckled him a couple times. I know that. Um, yeah, left-handed cross-grip guy. Um, you know, he's an old SJHLer. So, you know, uh, he was always one of those guys. I don't know what it was. I, I remember watching him a few times on a couple of the fight tapes I got early on. I, was, I wasn't a real big fan of his. Um, I don't know why, though, but... I'll have to go back. There's a guy. I'll have to go back and watch some more Alan May stuff and just kind of get a feel for him again. Um, yeah, again, as far as fight, like, again, I don't know what, like, they, they, with the criteria being like, oh, he had the most fights, so he's the number one guy, or like, or he's the, because I would, is like, is Alan May a better fighter than Craig Berube? Well, no, he's not. And uh, so it's like, well, so then Berube should be first then. But so it's like, I'm not really sure how, what they're, angle is with doing this with doing the list um in terms of it's the best fighter who with the, the longest tenure blah 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 like it's like i'm not quite sure but um you know do i have a huge problem with may being number one well no i mean if he's your all-time fight leader on your team okay if that's the angle you're going with um but if it's like, oh no, we're going to line all these guys up and they're all going to fight. We're going to have a tournament or something. And who's the best capital? Well, Alan May ain't winning that tournament. So, you know, I guess that's all. And well, and then to to go further into the glaring omissions, as they say, um, off the top of my head, well, Chris Simon is one. Um, Brashear might have been at the end of the line, but I would still have him ahead. Like, he's still a better fighter than Scott Stevens. Dale Hunter and Tom Wilson. So, um, you know, even at that point in his career, uh, well, John Erskine, there's another guy that I would have ahead of some of these people. Um, Brendan Witt, maybe Stephen Pete, uh, you know, so there's a few names there. Um, I mean, like I said, I guess I get like, if it's just a straight up, who is the best fighter? Well, then you need Brashear on here. You need Simon in here. Um, 
Well, I would have Pete ahead of Wilson. I'd have him ahead of Scott Stevens, Dale Hunter. So he, Pete would be on there. So, yeah, a few guys missed, obviously, on the list. I, like with the Brashear thing. I mean, I know it wasn't Brashear from Vancouver. I know that, you know, but still, he had some, you know, he was still effective in Washington and certainly a better fighter than, uh, at that point of his career in Washington, than three of these guys in this list. So, um, and probably Alan May for that matter. Although outside of Barubi, um, he probably was the best fight. Like I'm talking Brashear Washington time. Overall for a career, I would have Brashear ahead of Barubi. But for their terms of their Washington lifetimes, uh, I would have, I would have probably Barubi ahead of Brashear at that point. But, um, they would be, and then Simon would be in there. Um, I probably would have Alan May in there. He'd be my five, I think. I think I would go May. Uh, well, I mean, and then it goes back to the Wilson thing. I know he's a product of the environment, but he almost has 80 fights. He's He's done well in the 80 fights. So it's like, okay, for that time period, for this moment, uh, you know, maybe you got Wilson five. Simon four, Bashir three. Uh, oh damn! Now what? I get Pete in there. Oh, I'm, I'm messing myself up. Hold on here. What? What would my list be? I gotta. I'm. I'm really thinking about this here because we're going with Washington tenure here. Maybe I would have Wilson five, Pete four, Simon three, Bashir two, and Bruby one. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I would say. Or maybe would I have Erskine instead of Pete? I don't know off the top. Or would I have Witt instead of Pete? I'm trying to think how many fights Pete had. He looked good in his fights, but he wasn't there for very long. So, maybe. Engelstad. Maybe I'll put it. He only played two games and have a fight in a Caps uniform. But maybe I'll maybe I'll put Mel in there. <laughs> but anyway, folks. There you go. There's the Washington Capitals top five enforcers according to the Hockey News. Ah, that, you know, not, not hideous. I mean, I won't... Uh, I can't uh, shit on it too, too much. I mean, they had the, they had decent names in there, but it's again, I don't know about the order. Uh, but a few a few omissions. Um, but there we have it. Look at that. We kept it under an hour, folks. But here we are. I'm going to shut up now. But for those oh, for those of you on social media, Fourth Line Voice on Twitter as well as on Facebook, give me a follow. I'm always putting up pictures and videos. Check it out, and uh, and the YouTube channel, Fourth Line Voice on YouTube. Subscribe to the channel, please. If you happen to watch a video that you like, hit the little, I know it's corny, the little thumbs up button, but YouTube loves that shit, so it would help me out. Also, download, don't stream, and please uh, rate and review the shows on iTunes or on Spotify. Not only mine, but Alex and Joe's and any podcast you listen to. Um, I know the creator and the content creator, uh, it's how you can help us out. So, it's just a little thing you're doing, it's in your hand, it's right there, just boom, hit hit the star rating, and we'll uh, we're all better for it. So there we go, folks. All right. All right, guys. So this is your Sunday episode. Let's go out and attack the work week. And uh, I'll talk to you cats on Wednesday. I got folks. I was gonna, I've been asked a couple of times. I always get asked this question. But I didn't get a, you ever doing interviews anymore. I've got some interviews coming. I, I trust. Believe me. And I think you'll dig them. Uh, actually, I know you'll dig them. So coming soon. But I'll talk to you guys on Wednesday. Let's go, folks. Thanks, everybody.
And you people that don't like fighting, how many of you did you walk out and get a coffee while that was 